The Bible said, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And the people whom he hath chosen for an inheritance. Psalms 33 verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Truly, we would be in error not to say that God has blessed America. She has her problems, but I think I'll stay anyhow. I don't know of one I'd rather be a citizen of. The Bible says in Psalms 144 and verse 15, Happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Blessed and happy. Now, I know America has been blessed. I do not know just how happy she is today. America is an unusual place. Only in America can a pizza get to your house faster than an ambulance. <laughs> America is a fascinated place. Only in America would they have handicapped parking spaces in front of a skating rink. <laughs> Only in America would drugstores put the prescription department in the back of the store where that all the handicapped and sick have to make their way while they sell cigarettes up front. Only in America. I'm glad I'm an American. Only in America do people order double cheeseburgers, large fries, and a Diet Coke. (laughs) Only in America, right? Anybody glad you're an American today? Only in America will we park our automobiles that cost thousands of dollars in the driveway and save the garage for our junk. Guilty. (laughs) Only in America do we have answering machines to screen our calls and call waiting so we won't miss a call from someone we didn't want to talk to anyhow. (laughs) Only in America. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Only in America do you buy hot dogs in a package of 10 and buns in a package of eight. We are blessed, are we not? I know there's a lot of things. If you've been watching the news, there's a lot of things going awry. Things are a mess. But did you know that the 150 years between the settlers of America and the organizing of a nation, things got rotten too. 
When the settlers died and passed away and the second generation began to come to adulthood, their desire to please God was shifted from getting wealthy and being comfortable. And for 150 years, this nation went through some of the sorriest, worst times. Those folks who got off the boat who rode in the pack that they came to America for the advancement of the gospel and the glory of God. 150 years later, in the 13 colonies, only 10% of the people attended church. 1734, something amazing happened. Jonathan Edwards, John Wesley, Whitefield began to preach in the fields and the streets and the corners of this country. And there was a revival swept across this country like never before. Thousands of people embraced Jesus Christ. Thousands of people got saved. Benjamin Franklin was so impressed with it that he built a stadium for Whitefield to preach in that seated 30,000 folks. There was only 25,000 folks abiding in Philadelphia at that time. There was a move of God, a spiritual awakening, and they called it the Great Awakening in America. And it was out of that awakening that our nation was born. Not in the 150 years of depravity and the 150 years of selfishness and the 150 years of get rich and step on who you can. But our, our nation was formed in the wake of the great awakening, the great revival across America. Therefore, most of our, center, our signers of the Declaration of Independence and our, our Constitution were born again, God-fearing men who came out of that great revival. Aren't you glad of that? And we have not sunk any lower than that crowd has. So there's still hope. God's still alive. And babies still cry. And they've been crying for years. And they'll keep crying until Jesus comes. Just stick a hanky in his ear, he'd be all right. Blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord. We are living in some real strange times. The paradox of our time in history is that we have taller buildings and shorter tempers, wider freeways, and narrower viewpoints. Think about it just a minute. We spend more and have less. We buy more and enjoy less. 
We have bigger houses and smaller families, more conveniences, but less time. Strange, isn't it? We have multiplied our possessions and reduced our value. We drink too much, smoke too much, spend too recklessly, laugh too little, drive too fast, get too angry, stay up too late, get up too tired, read too little, watch too much TV, and pray too seldom. You just think about it. Whose fault is it that we're in a mess? I just thought I'd drop by today and talk to you. We talk too much, love too seldom, and hate too often. Think about it. We do larger things, but not better things. We clean up the air and pollute the soul. We plan more but accomplish less. We plan more and plan more and plan more. We learn to rush but not to wait. We mill more computers to hold more information, to produce more copies than ever, but we communicate less. Have you ever heard this? We are asking God to bless America. Could I say he already has? Now it's our turn. What are you doing? To make America better. I think, honestly, now it's our turn. We cannot say that God has not blessed America. Materially, spiritually, economically, uh, God has blessed America. What are you doing to bless America? It's our turn, I believe, and I believe we should start right away. And I'm going to outline today what you and I can do to make America better. Would that be all right? Well, since the signing of the Declaration of Independence, since the Constitution of the United States, since the organization 240 years ago, <clears throat> our country was born. 240 years ago, today is our 240th birthday. It is also the 50th anniversary of when we kicked God out of the public school. Could I please ask you a question and think just a minute? Now, this is not a roadrunner and coyote kind of message. This ain't one of them beep, beep, bam, bam, bloop, bop, do it again kind of things. What was the turning point in America 
from being the nation that God honored and God loved and God blessed to the mess to where you and I, the taxpayer, is paying for surgery for the transvestite. We cannot get our veterans in the VA. But now we are paying for sex changing in our armed services. Now there's something wrong with that picture somewhere. One thing that's wrong is pulpits in America have been silent too long, afraid of their job, afraid of their salary, and afraid for their retirement. Well, let me tell you something. I'm not afraid of any of that. Because I broke, I was born broke, I was born bald-headed and toothless, and it looks like I'm going out the same way. I'm just going out with clothes on this trip. Was the turning point in our history, the Scopes trial, the monkey trial in 1925 in a little town called Dayton, Tennessee, where that a, a substitute teacher in high school made a remark and he did not even realize himself that he had made an evolutionary remark. And they turned that thing into a show across America and evolution. And all of a sudden, the teachers at our universities, their tail broke off, hit the ground, they stood up. Now they're teaching down at schoolhouse. Was that the turning point in America or was it the 60s when evolutionary uh, disciples and the, the evolutionary theory began to be taught because of Sputnik? The Russians was beating us in our scientific uh, pursuit and all of a sudden they begin to turn from a God standpoint to a scientific standpoint. Was that the big issue in America? Was that what changed us when they begin to teach us that our daddies were baboons or we are a result of a floating amoeba millions and millions of years ago? What is? How do we get from in God we trust on our money to deny that this was an original Christian nation? How did we get there? Was it the Scopes trial, the big uh, thing? Was it uh, Roe versus Wade, the abortion deal? I know you are familiar with this. But from 1980 to 19, from 1880 to 1973, when Roe versus Wade was declared by our Supreme Court, the Great Prophecy Act that women had a right to do with their body as they choose. Did you know that there were approximately 1.2 million back alley abortions before Roe versus Wade? before the clergy got involved? Oh, we fight abortion and we 
We are against abortion, and I think we should. It's murder. Was it the legalizing of alcohol in America when the 21st Amendment repealed the 18th Amendment and turned alcohol loose in America? I think the damnation of souls and families and lives could not ever be evaluated because of alcohol. Was it the Supreme Court's decision to get into God's business and be declaring what marriage was and what marriage wasn't just a few months ago? What is, in your opinion, you history history majors or you folks that sit in the classroom like I did, what was the turning point? Should we be aware, should we wake up to the fact that we in our public schools educated every one of our politicians and judges and lawyers? Did you realize that your president graduated from Harvard? So really, what's the problem? Most politicians are lawyers or preachers. What, well, I tell you, either they're all asleep or I do have their attention. (laughs) This is the quietest I've seen this place in years. What is the turning point? What turned us to try to say that our founders were not Christian? Uh, What turned us to make every excuse in the world that Christianity, the Bible, the Judeo-Christian faith was not involved in the foundation of this great country? Could I suggest to you that the 60s, 19 and 60s, was a terrible, terrible time in America. You say, preacher, that's when I was born. I knew that. (laughs) Not really. It was in 1962 that the Supreme Court of the United States, by a six to one vote, two of our judges abstaining and not voting at all, declared that prayer was unconstitutional. Thusly, we kicked God out of the classroom. Kicked him out. You know why Joshua Christie Academy has a school? Because God's still welcome down there. The Bible's still welcome down there. Morality is still taught down there. Character is still an emphasis down there. 
You say, yeah, well, we got problems. Well, thank God you folk at the public school don't have any. Yeah, what we did in 1962 was we kicked prayer out of school. So down at your schoolhouse now, prayer's gone. The Ten Commandments no longer hang in the library. The Ten Commandments and all the morality that they stand for are gone. Not only that, morals are gone. Morals are gone. Discipline is gone. Respect for authority is gone. Character development is gone. And I say to you today, the turning point in America was the day we kicked God out of the schoolhouse. And you say, well, preacher, I don't know about that. Did you know Hosea said, for they have sown to the wind and they shall reap the whirlwind. Are we reaping the whirlwind? Do we now have gay junior hires? When I was a kid, it was confused, hurting junior hires. But now they're out of the closet. Will it be in grammar school pretty soon? Oh, I don't know if we're reaping the whirlwind or not. Did you know since we kicked God out of the classroom, teen pregnancy under 14 is up 553%. But thank God they're not praying. Thank God they're gone. A teacher looked at the classroom and there's a bunch of boys all huddled around together. And the teacher walked over and said, what are you boys doing? One of them said, we're shooting crafts. She said, thank God I thought you was praying. Ain't funny, is it? No, they won't let them pray. They'll let them shoot crap. Now, they won't let them pray. They can shoot dice all they want to. Are we reaping the whirlwind in America? Social transmitted diseases since 1962 is up 220%. Are you listening to me? You say, preacher, it's bad. Yeah, but it's not impossible. Premarital sex since 1962 is up 271%. Can you imagine for the just a moment sex among 15-year-olds are up since 62, 1,000%. America has sown to the wind And we are reaping the whirlwind. We have moved in America. We have absolutely drifted from our roots. If you, and I I have a copy of the Constitution in my office. And I asked one of our men this morning, how many people do you think on percentage has ever read the Constitution of the United States? Ever read it? 
How many do you think knows what the Bill of Rights are? How many do you think even know how many amendments and which amendment deals with the Word of God and the organization of religious uh, assemblies? Did you know that our Supreme Court recently, recently voted that same-sex marriage is constitutional. I read it this morning. I didn't see where it said anything about that. Don't you think it might be our turn to bless America instead of whining around asking God to do something we're too lazy to do? I just thought maybe, well, I just want to ask you, where are we getting our information today? Who are we listening to to be informed? Uh, Do you think maybe it might come from arrogant, rich, lying politicians who run campaigns and spend millions and millions of dollars to represent us and then when they get to where they're going... They do not represent anybody but their own private cares and whims and goals. Do you think maybe we're listening to a liberal press, journalist, who were educated in godless schools, who are graduated with a humanistic philosophy, meaning that there is no God and we are our own God and we can do what we want to. You lie about being in helicopters shot at in Iraq or someplace else. Our information, what, what is our source of information? Oh, I know. Maybe it's the Hollywood actors and actresses that are in the know so much that they spend their entire life pretending, playing like they're somebody else. And in their life, they can heal the ills of America in a 30-minute session. But they're our heroes. We got them hanging on our wall. They must be God themselves. Well, uh, it's going over kind of like a pregnant pole vaulter. It ain't doing very good here. But I believe there's still hope for America. And I don't find it in Congress. And I don't find it in our presidential uh, campaigns. I find it 
in 2 Chronicles chapter number 7 and verse 14. And it says something like this. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and heal their land. Can anybody say amen? Don't you think it might be our turn to bless America? Don't you think it's about our turn to quit pointing our finger, blaming everybody else in the world, and asking God to bless when my soul, you throw more food out than the rest of the world even sees. You drive better cars, you live in better houses, you experience the blessings of God more than anybody else, and we sit around and complain, pray and ask God to bless us Why don't we get busy blessing America ourselves? Get off your do-nothing. Get off your griping trip. I think America needs humbling. I think Americans need humbling. Amen. Amen. I think America has too many phones and too many gadgets and too much stuff and too much stuff and too much stuff till we have just forgot all about where the stuff came from. We can't blame Obama. We educated him. We cannot blame the judicial system We trained them. We can't blame the preachers, I guess. We should have trained them. Panty waist, bloomer wearing, silk loving kind of individuals. Let's go on to the next program, please. You know what I mean. Don't you think it might be your turn? My turn? Our turn? To bless America? Oh, I was reading over in the book of 1 Timothy earlier. I ain't going to read it because it's time to go home. I am so sorry. No, I'll never get them back if I turn them loose this early. I, I, I've seen a lot happen in my short lifetime of 77 years. I have witnessed in my own personal life, transportation going from a wood wheel wagon with a team of horses that I, just a lad, just a small wee lad, would 
take down to the creek. And my job was to sit in that creek with that wood wheel wagon and let the wheels soak. And then move the horses forward a little and let the wheels soak so the steel rim did not come off the wheel. Till last week I heard about a man getting killed in a self-driven autopilot automobile. I've gone from plowing the fields with a with a horse to seeing men put on the moon. I don't think we need to be griping near as much as we need to be praying. I'm going to read you the six verses, then we're going to go home. Paul told young Timothy, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplication, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. Timothy said, why should I do that when the country is so sorry? Verse 3, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of our God, our Savior. Preacher, what can I do? You can pray unceasingly. You need to pray for our president. You need to pray for all that are in leadership. Well, I'm not going to vote. There ain't nobody running good enough to vote for. Well, he beat the one you were going to vote for. Didn't like that, did you? In fact, he beat 15 of them. Fifteen of the best are now what you call losers. You know how they're losers? They lost. Mine lost. Second place is not best, not bad, if you don't mind standing in line with losers. Well, I don't know. Won't you pray about it? Quit complaining. Do what the Bible says. Pray unceasingly. Don't you think it's your turn to bless America instead of curse America? Pray unceasingly. Pray at work. Pray at work. Pray at home. Pray at church. 
Pray when you drive. You need to because everybody else is texting. Pray when you do your chores, sitting on the television watching your wife take care of you. Pray wherever you are. Pray whenever you are. Pray whoever you are. Don't you think it's about time we did our part in blessing America? The Bible says, pray without ceasing. The Bible said, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man does what? Somebody tell me. Is that right? Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Hey, folks, the answer to America's dilemma is God's people praying, not complaining. You've got a lot to complain about. I'll come over and see how rough you have it. I wish I had time. We need to live righteously, verse 2. That we may, watch this, watch this. That we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all goodness and honesty. I'll start living right. Don't have to talk to him about it. We need to live righteously. Lastly, we need to evangelize fervently. Verse 3 and 4. What's this? You know the answer to America's dilemma is the gospel. The answer to America's dilemma is the gospel. When America was low in the 1700s, when everything was gone and morals were gone and religion was gone and God was gone and the Holy Spirit had been kicked out of all the colonies, there was just a few fellows who took it on themselves to take the old King James Bible. You say, how do you know it's a King James? Because it didn't have any other. And it worked real well. And Edwards and Whitefield and Wesley and those fellows began to preach around the Philadelphia area. And it was not long until the politicians and those in leadership, uh, Daniel Webster and John, Thomas Jefferson and those guys realized how bad this nation needed God. And it was a great awakening across this nation. Thousands. Thousands of people came to know the Lord, baptized, began to serve the Lord. So our country was birthed out of revival. Birthed by men who believed the inerrancy of the Scripture and the sovereignty of divinity and the sovereignty of God. That's why they put on our money, in God we trust. All others need to pay cash. That's why most of the statues and the monuments in our national capital is addressed and, and beautified with Scripture from the Word of God. Our country was birthed out of revival. God, do it again. I said, God, do it again and help me do my part. Don't you think 
It's about time that we bless America. <laughs>